Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's jump in, guys. We're finishing up our um, last week of Whatever It Takes, and we started the year off with this series because I know a lot of us, we're, we're wanting to make some changes, maybe. We wanted to make some changes last year, and that didn't happen, and so every year around December, January, we're looking at how can we improve our life? How can we pursue and go after some of the things that God has put in our life? And so the last several weeks, we've talked about different ways that we can pursue that in doing whatever it takes. Um, we started the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we talked about endurance and talked about risk. And I want to talk about something today that we all need to understand that we have to have in our life if we are going to be successful in any any arena, um, whether it's in our personal life, whether it's within our relationships, whether it's within our walk with God, uh, because no one ever gets anywhere by themselves. That there are very few people, the, the whole term self-made man does not exist. That someone somewhere along the way helped even the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses get to work. Did I say that right? Bezoses? Bezos? Do you put a, is it plural? Anyways, they help them get somewhere. Everyone has somebody that helps them get to where they're going and who we are um, and you guys have heard me say this before, is the result of our relationships. If you look at your top five closest friends, you are the average of your five closest people. And I see some of you looking up right now trying to think who those five people are. And so some of you are like, oh my God, I need to change friends. And some of you are like, I need better friends. But who you are relationally, financially, who you are like as far as health-wise, spiritual-wise, is actually an average of your top five closest friends. And what I found in my life is that, that it is true. And the only true change that I've experienced actually comes in the context of relationships, good or bad. We've experienced good change in the context of good relationships, right? But then we've all been through seasons where we've been in the wrong community and we've chosen the wrong relationships and we start making changes that are not positive but are negative that are not good changes, but are instead, they're, they're detrimental for where God's wanting to take us. And so um, we don't do community very well in America. We like to think that we do, but who we are is, is a result of the community that, that we're surrounded by. And, and we've gotten to a place where we don't really do community well, and if we're not careful, that can kind of creep into the church culture. We have to guard against that. And what I want you to know is, is the first dilemma in creation that, that, that God had to work out and solve was not sin. The first dilemma in creation was not sin, but it was isolation. And, 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 and we actually see this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. 
verse 16 says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And this is verse 18, we see the dilemma. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. And so we think like the first dilemma is, is God, you know, taking care of Adam and Eve's sin. But actually the first dilemma that God took care of was, was Adam's loneliness and isolation. And so it says that he couldn't find a suitable helper. So he made one and he brought the animals to, to, to Adam and he gave Adam the responsibility of, of naming the, the, the animals. And so you see, you know, the duck walk by and he's like, that's a duck. And you see the beaver walk by and he says, that's a beaver. And then he sees the platypus walk by and he's like, what did you do? <laughs> okay, you don't get it, right? And then he sees a dog walk by and he's like, oh, it's a dog. He sees the cat walk by. He's like, what? What is this? Not allowed, right? Sorry, cat friends, I'm not. Oh, speaking of, we actually had a cat like sneak into our house last night. We were unloading after the Avenue Gala and we've got everything in and we had left the door open because we had a lot of stuff. And that's a lot of trouble when you have stuff in your hand, you gotta open the door, so we just left it open. And I'm walking in and there's a cat walking around our living room. And you know what I said? Get out of my house, Satan. Get out of my house, Satan. After I petted him a couple of times and then I kicked him. I'm just kidding. But so what God, what God did is, is he put Adam to sleep because the animals weren't working, right? He put Adam to sleep. And, and if we've been to church at all, we know that he put him to sleep and he took out a rib and, and he created Eve. And Adam said, this is woman's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And, and, and we read this in the context of a husband and wife, and we'll talk about that relationship next month, but it's also in a greater context of just God knew that you and I, and this, is, this we have to think about, God knew that, that you and I needed something in addition to him. Because it was complete perfection in the garden and it was Adam and Eve walking in complete unity and harmony and relationship. But God even knew he needs someone else because you and I, we need someone else. We can have our relationship with God and we need that. That's important, that's vital, 1,000%. But we also need to be in community with other people that are flesh of our flesh, that are bone of our bone, that are the same values, same heartbeat, same desires, so that we can, so that we can grow. And, and so God was taking care of isolation. And in my opinion, it is still one of the most major dilemmas in our culture. And people feel more isolated now, I think, than what they ever have in all of history. And to be honest, we can look and, and, and we can try to blame it on the pandemic. But I don't think the pandemic caused it. I think the pandemic expedited it because we were already moving in that direction with our phones and disconnectedness and working crazy hours and, and staying inside our house. And what the pandemic did is I think it realized we were moving in that direction, but it sped it up. I kind of watched a little bit of this movie a few weeks ago called Old where like people like get old really, really quick. They go on vacation, they go to this beach and all of a sudden like the six-year-old is a 23-year-old in just a matter of hours. And I think that's what the pandemic has done is it has expedited and sped up our isolation. 
even though we were already heading in that direction. And, and so what we have to do is, is we have to come back to this understanding and knowing how valuable community is to God, but also how valuable it is to you and I in pursuing after the heart of God and pursuing after the things of God. And we have to know this, God, first thing is this, is God created community. God created community with the relationship of Adam and Eve and him, but also even more so when we see in John chapter one, verses one through three, is, and John is, is echoing what we read in Genesis about God creating community. It says, in the beginning was what? The word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things, say all things. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so God made everything. If he made everything, I just have to assume that he also made community. Right? If we want to use this word and talk about the importance, we have to understand that, that God made it every interpersonal relationship that you have with each other, within your family, within your coworkers, within your friendships, within this church community or any church community you've been a part of, God has created and orchestrated all that. But then here's what I know happened as he started seeing community begin to break down. Um, not just between he and his people, but with each other. And so God entered community. He didn't just create it, but he entered it. And I love in John 1, he continues in verse 14, it says, and then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That's the New Living Translation, but I love the way the message paraphrase puts it. It's not really a translation. It's like someone taking the Bible and putting it in modern words based off what they think. But he says, he says the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And so what happened is, is, is God put on flesh and entered into our community through Jesus. And so God creates community. He, he enters community. And then here's what we believe as a church is, is that God inhabits his community. And I, I shared this with our A team a little bit. And if you've been in church at all, you, you, you've heard a couple of passages of scripture. And, and the first one is, is found in Matthew 18, verse 20. It says, for where there are two or three gathered together in my name, he says, I am there among them. And another scripture sometimes we quote in church, especially during worship, is that God inhabits the praises of his people, that, that he sits in, that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there he is. Where we are lifting up his praises, there he is. He inhabits community. And, and here's what I don't think. I don't think God's like, up in heaven, and he's looking at a church service, and, and, and he's, he's waiting on the band, to, he's waiting on the countdown to finish. Then he's waiting on the band to start, and then he's waiting on that crescendo from the audience, it's a big word, crescendo from the audience to where we're just lifting up his name. He's like, all right, now I'll come down. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think he's looking at a prayer meeting where there's only two people, and he's like, I gotta wait on the quorum. I gotta wait on that two-thirds to get there. Right? I gotta wait. We've got two people. I need three. I don't, I don't think that's what, what's happening. As a matter of fact, I think he's always here. I think wherever we go, there he is. 
But what happens, and this is what I shared with the team this morning, when we come together like we did in worship today, and, and we're united for those of us who are walking with Jesus or, or, or we're trying to, when we come together and we're united, not just in voice, but in heart and in spirit, that what happens is, is our senses of recognizing his presence is heightened. And, and, and we're able to recognize it more so than if we were just hanging out. Because our focus is off our problems, our focus is off our bills, it's off of everything else. But what's happened is we come together from our busy week, from Smyrna, from Christiana, from Murfreesboro, wherever, coming together in this community under the name of the one who created and, and invaded community. And then we recognize his presence because it's, it's, it's always here. And I want, like, for, for this church, I want for this house that when people walk into this room, that this crowded room feels different than other crowded rooms. And there's, there's, there's a story in the, old, in, in the New Testament right after Jesus' is, is resurrection. And there's a couple of disciples, and they're walking down the road. Um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. They're walking down the road, and then Jesus comes up behind them and starts talking to them, but they don't recognize it's Jesus. And they begin, like, Jesus is like, what are you talking about? And they're like, have you not heard? Jesus was just crucified. He was like, yeah, I know, I'm back, right? But he's, he's walking with them, and he begins to tell them everything about himself, starting with the Old Testament through the New. And they get home, and they break bread, and their eyes are opened, and they recognize it's Jesus, and then he just disappears, right? Come on, at least stay for, like, breakfast. <laughs> what are you doing? But they make this statement. They say, did our hearts not burn as we were walking along the road? That's what I want in this community, that when people come in, that we come expectant, that we come ready, we come united, that, that God's presence is invading this community and our hearts burn because he's here. And even those who, who may not have been to church before, and maybe that's you today, it's our desire that this room felt different than any other room that you walked in. Not because of who we are, but because we believe God's spirit is in this community. God inhabits and then God invades his community. But here's what I know is, is we often avoid community because, can I be honest, community is messy. You get more than one person in the room, there's going to be a disagreement. And, and even for me, <laughs> if I'm in the room by myself and I have disagreements with myself all the time, <laughs> and like, just make a decision already. But it all seems like it would be a good idea. But you get in a room or, or, or you get in a relationship with enough people, there's going to be different opinions. There's going to be different viewpoints. And, and there's this fear of, of, of we might disappoint that community. We might let that community, we might fail that community. Then what would they think? of us. Or maybe on the flip side, you're like, I've been let down too many times by community. I'm not putting myself back there again. I was speaking with a worship pastor this past week, drove down to see one of our overseers in Coleman, Alabama, and, and a guy from a visiting church in, in Huntsville was the worship pastor. And he started as the bass player, and his second Sunday at the church was um, the bass player's last Sunday at the church because he was being deployed. And so someone found out he could play bass. And he's like, you're gonna, will you play bass for us? And he told me, he was like, I was never gonna be on another worship team because the last worship team I was on was just so toxic. The church was toxic. The church split. And he said, I, I sold my bass. I was never getting involved again. But there was something about that community because here, like, community is messy, y'all. Like the community in your house, and I'm not just talking about like your house, but like sometimes the relationships within your, within your immediate family can be messy. 
and there's conflict and there's awkward moments and we want to try to avoid that. But when we avoid that to um, try to avoid the pain and the hurt, we also miss out on all the benefits because community is so very necessary. Community is so very necessary. Proverbs 18.1. Community is necessary. Proverbs 18.1. In the Amplified, it says this, and I just like the way it was worded. He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desires and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. See, when we isolate and we separate ourselves, what happens is, is, is we become selfish. We're only talking to ourselves. We're only thinking about ourselves. Or maybe we only isolate and surround ourselves with people who look like us, walk like us, talk like us. And it's just, it's just a churn. We're, we're not growing. We become selfish. And then it says this. It says that we quarrel against all sound wisdom. We fail to take the advice of anyone else except our own. Right? Have you guys ever been in that? season to where you just isolate yourself from people who care about you or a community and, and you find yourself only thinking about who? Yourself. And I find when I'm thinking about myself the most, that's when I'm really the most miserable. Because from my standpoint, everything's going wrong at times. And it's when I stop listening to insight. I stop listening to advice from others Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. See, we have to be around other people so that we can encourage them to step out in faith, to step out in risk, to step out in courage, to encourage them to do things. But then we also need those people around us. Like how many of you would say that, that the greatest risks that you've taken or maybe the greatest um, amount that you've grown was because you had people around you, surrounding you, encouraging you, right? It's because you had someone spurring you on, and if you think about what a spur is, a spur is not something that, 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 that you enjoy. I've never ridden a horse, maybe once, but cowboys have spurs on their boots, right? And so when they want the horse to go faster, I guess this is what you do. You kick it in the side, right? That seems a little inhumane. Aren't you glad your friends don't walk around with a spur on their fist like, come on, step it up, right? Don't do that. But we're to spur one another on and then to allow others to spur us on as well. And it says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Look at your neighbor and say, especially now. So think about when Paul wrote this, like centuries ago. Don't you think it's just as especially now today as it was then? Because we've just come out a year and a half where we weren't able to go to church. And it's real easy to get comfortable watching your screen where you don't have to interact and you can just amen the preacher from your pajamas, right? You can come to church in your pajamas. I don't care, right? As long as it's appropriate, okay? Okay. Um, bunny house shoes. Somebody comes to church with bunny house shoes, I'll give you $20, okay? I'm just, I'm just kidding. But, but we should not neglect coming together as, you guys are thinking if you got bunny house shoes, right? I lost you, right? <laughs> it just went right there. You're thinking of who does, or you're gonna pay somebody $50 to wear bunny house shoes, right? No, but, but change, listen, change, spurring one another on, change only happens in the context of community. 
There's a book called Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Crazy name. I would have like changed it if I was him, but he wrote this book about the power of habit. And in this, and it's, he makes this statement about community and a book about habits, and he says, people might be skeptical about their ability to change if they're by themselves, but a group will convince them to suspend that disbelief because here's why. Community creates belief. Man. I know there's been times when I didn't believe in myself, but I got around the right people in community, and they helped me build the belief in myself. There have been times when I've doubted what God was capable of doing, especially in this season, trying to launch a church in a pandemic, and I got pastors in my corner reminding me of what God has done in the past and that we sing it today. He will do it again. And so that community that we surround ourselves helps us build that belief. Now, I want to look here just for a few moments at what Paul says about community within the body of Christ. And I've got lots of scripture, and I rarely do this, but I want us to look at this illustration of how Paul displays community within the church using the body. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was um, uh, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He was crucifying and attacking Christians and then became a church planner. And so he makes this illustration and writes this letter to the church at Corinth who was going through some dysfunction. And we're going to start in, in chapter 12, verse 12, and read about 15 passages of scripture. So everyone take a deep breath. All right, let's start verse 12. And someone's like, ah, let's go. All right. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And here's what I want us to understand is that you look in this room on any given Sunday, and we're all different. We're all coming from different backgrounds. We're all coming from different races. We're all coming from different financial situations, different educational experiences, different church background. You can have no church background all the way up on the scale to the Pentecostal background, and everyone's in this room. We've got a few folks born and raised in Murfreesboro, and now we've got a whole lot of folks coming into Murfreesboro, right? And so what's happening is within this room, there are all these differences. But Paul says this. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, but some are free. In this room, some are some of us are African-American, some of us are white, some of us are financially stable, some of us are financially instable, educated, uneducated, married, single, remarried. But here's what it comes down to. It says, but we all have been baptized into one spirit. And so we have all these differences, but it's the thing that is the same about us should be a greater uniter than the things that separate us. Let's keep reading verse 14. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, but not just one part. If the foot says, hey, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, I want off this thing. That's not what it says, that's what I said. That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because look, I'm not an eye, would that make it any less of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And I kind of laugh every time I read this because it's like the ears getting jealous of the eye. And really, when you think about it, like we don't pay a lot of attention to people's ears, right? You can look at someone and say, you have beautiful eyes or you've got big eyes. And you don't say your ears are like 
positioned just correctly on the side of your head, <laughs> right? You don't, you don't say, like, they're, they're, they're in proportion with your head, right? But for some reason, like, as you grow, your ears continue to grow, and so I'm going to, like, be able to take flight. <laughs> but, and so it's not like my, my here's just crazy train I'm going to jump on for a minute. Like, when you reach a certain age, you, you, like, you go through puberty as a teenager, but then something happens when you hit middle age and you start growing hair in places that you didn't need it before, and so my youngest daughter is like, Dad, you have hair in your ears now. And I'm like, I know. I was survived the first 40 years of my life without it. Why do I need it now, right? But we're not complimenting, we're not complimenting people's ears, right? And, and, and so my ears can't say, look, I'm not an eye. I don't want to do this anymore. We don't compliment people's noses. Mine's crooked. I broke it in high school. And then I was afraid my wife, who was not my wife then in high school, I was afraid she was going to break up with me because I had black eyes and a broken nose. Thanks, babe, sticking it out with me, right? <laughs> but my nose can't say, look, I don't get as much attention as the eyes. People don't compliment me. Your nostrils are just perfectly you know, circular. Like, nobody does that. But we do that within a community. We say, I don't get enough attention. I'm not able to do this, so I don't really feel like I'm a part of the community. I don't, I don't want to be a part of the community because I don't get, bra- do you guys see what I'm saying? Is, 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 is we're not careful um, and we're afraid that we don't get the attention that we want or that we feel like we deserve, we isolate ourselves from the body. Verse 18, let's keep going. It says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange would it be if it only had one part? And I was thinking about, I kind of got roasted last night about all the 80s references that I make. And so I'm going to make a 90s reference, if that's okay. (laughs) I'll come up 10 years. No, I think it's early 2000s, but like there was this Afrin commercial where the guy wakes up stuffy and he's just a nose. He's just a nose on a body. And it is the most terrifying thing. Like if you grew up in the 90s and you saw that commercial, at some point you probably had nightmares (laughs) about that commercial because it's just a giant nose. And, And you think about if the whole body were just one part, it would no longer be a body. It would be a deformed part. But, but we pursue, um, instead of diversity, we want to pursue to only be homogenous, just to be one thing. And so Paul goes on to say this, how strange would it be if it only had one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other, church. In this community, we need each other. Um, If we're only one part, we would cease to be a body. There would be no diversity. Verse 22, it says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Some of the parts that aren't even seen are the most necessary, like our lungs and our esophagus. You don't see those. You don't say, oh, man, he's got a really strong esophagus, right? You don't see that. Now, I do have a nice Adam's apple, right? (laughs) But, But it is necessary, It's necessary to get the food from my mouth into my stomach. My lungs, you don't see them. They don't get a lot of attention, but they are necessary to get the oxygen in my bloodstream. Within a church and within a ministry and within serving teams, there are parts that you don't see, but they are necessary. And just because they're not on the stage with a microphone and lights doesn't mean they're any less important than the ones on the stage with microphones and lights. The setup team gets here before anybody at 7 a.m. Most people don't even know who they are. But if they didn't set up, we might not have church. Well, we would, but it would be a little bit different, right? 
here's, here's, here's what Paul goes on to say. It says, and the parts that we regard less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. And this is the important part. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to the parts that have less dignity. The parts that seem the weakest are actually maybe the most necessary. Um, even within this church, you know, the, the kids team is downstairs and upstairs. And for those of you that have kids, we want you to know they're not just babysitting. Like you don't see them in here, but they are, they are raising your kids for just an hour. <laughs> You're like, can they raise them full time? No, you have, to, you have to go check them out once service is over. But, but they are pouring into your kids the word of God. They are experiencing worship just like you do in here on their level. And they're not seen in here, but they're seen down there with their kids, with your kids. Um, it's the same with, you know, during the week we have people that are doing administrative stuff. You don't see them, but it's very, very, very vital. Um, and, and for some of you, um, I just want you to know that. Verse 25, let's keep going. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad as well. And I want us to underline this in your Bible if it's not. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you are a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Look, church is messy. Community is messy. But it's necessary. We all have different pasts. We all have different pasts pre-Jesus. But for those of us who are walking in relationship with Jesus, we all have the same past in Jesus. And that everything that we've done that we're ashamed of, that weighs us down, it is forgiven, it is forgotten, it is covered, and it is the same. We're all coming in here, and we all are at different places relationally. Some of us are married, some of us are divorced, some of us are remarried, some of us are widowed, some of us are single, when am I ever gonna get married? Some of us are singles, like, I'm never getting married. Some of us are parents. Some of us are soon-to-be parents. Some of us are like, I'm never being a parent. We come from different backgrounds in church. Some of you may be coming today with some serious church hurt, or maybe you come in with some church confusion. Um, maybe you come in and, um, you're at different stages in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you're on fire. Maybe you're not where you once were. Maybe you're not walking with him at all. Maybe it's been a while since you've been walking with him. But when you come into a community like this, it is our heart that we, we want to help rebuild that belief, not just in yourself, but in the one who created you, the one who created community the one who invaded community and the one that, that inhabits community when we lift up his name. Um, some of you come in with different gifts. Some of you have talents where you can sing, where you can speak. Some of you have talents that are used behind the scenes. Like, here's what I know. For those of you who this is your first time, you meet our greeters long before you ever hear me. You're gonna hear our worship team long before you ever hear me. You're gonna meet our folks in the parking lot long before you ever see any of this. And so... Actually, in my opinion, sometimes our connectors are just as important or maybe more important than our worship team and me because 
you're seeing them face to face. See, it takes all of us, guys. Look at your neighbor and say, all of us. It takes all of us to build community. And, and here's what I know. If you're here today and, and you're walking in relationship with Jesus or maybe you're pursuing this and you want more, you cannot grow as a Christian apart from the body of Christ. You cannot. I don't care how much people say today, well, I love Jesus, I don't like the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is the groom. No, no. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. You can't go to a wedding and be like, man, I will, like, you may have done this. I don't know. Like, the groom, he's off, like, awesome. The bride, she's a piece of work. <laughs> right? Maybe. maybe. But, but we do that sometimes with the church. Like, I love Jesus, but I don't know about his church. The church is full of broken people. The church is full of hurting people. Um, and so the church is not perfect. My pastor always said, and, and, and maybe you've heard me say this, that um, don't go to a perfect church because if you go there, you'll mess it up. You'll mess it up every time. And so one of our values is that we grow stronger in community. You can't grow as a Christian apart from the body of Christ. So I'm gonna ask you to do three things as we get ready to wrap up. Three things is whether it's Avenue Church or some other church. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to um, commit to join the body. Commit to join a community. And I'll say this just, just to find your place. If it's with Avenue Church, man, incredible. Come on, let's go. If it's not, let us help you find a community to be a part of. Like we're building, and I love it, there's a relationship of about seven or eight pastors that we meet monthly now and to have lunch together just to share what God is doing in our church. And I have no problem with helping someone find the church where they feel like that is their community. Something I say a lot is it is kingdom over castles all day. There's a church starting in Nashville, and I sent him a text message this morning. I was like, come on, let's build the church in Middle Tennessee, man. Let's, let's go but I want you to join the body, commit to joining the body. Um, a limb, if I were to cut my hand off, it's not gonna last very long. A Christian and a believer cannot live disconnected from the body. Second thing I wanna ask you to do this is, is commit to strengthen the body. Commit to strengthen the body. So, so if you're here on this earth, God has gifted you with a talent. He is giving you an ability, giving you an ability to do something. And scripture tells us that we're not to use our gifts for ourselves, but to use our gifts for those that are around us, to strengthen them. Paul says this in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the what? whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I'll say it this way. Just, just do your thing, right? Just do your thing. Whatever your thing is, do it. No matter how awkward it is, God has gifted you to do it, and you are to do it to strengthen the person beside you, to strengthen the people that you're in relationship with, to strengthen the people in this church. And as you strengthen using your gift, the people in this church, you strengthen this church. Guys, listen to me. As this church is strengthened, then Alinea Church over on the east side of town is strengthened. Then World Outreach is strengthened because we're strengthening no longer just the local church, small C, but we are strengthening the global church, big C, by you doing your part. And we, we talked about this last year, building God's kingdom. 
And so how can you do this? So um, here's what I would love for you to do. If, if you've been rolling with us for a little while now and you're not on a team, we need to get you on a team. Not just so that you can do things, but so you can strengthen your community. If you're new here today and you want to find out more about Avenue Church, um, do this. You can text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You click that link. It has a place where you can sign up for Growth Track. We're making preparations to have another Growth Track to, to help you understand our vision and values better. And then also, I'd love for you to do this. Those of you who, have, who are a part of an A-team and you've gone through Growth Track, we're getting ready to launch small groups again here in a few weeks. And I would love for you to consider hosting a small group. Now, Sunday mornings are great, but real life happens at the speed of relationships. And that can't happen. Relationships can't be built just in a couple hours on a Sunday morning. And so if you're interested or, or thinking about maybe wanting to host a small group, you can sign up for that as well. We're gonna do a Zoom training tonight. And you can just jump on and find out more about it. 30 minutes, it's not gonna be that super long. But I want you to be able to do your thing, to be able to help strengthen the body. As you do your part, then you help those around you grow stronger. And as they grow stronger, the church grows stronger. And the last thing is this, is commit to connecting the body. If you're a believer and you're walking with Jesus, we should be doing this all the time. We should be committing to connecting the body. And, and, and what I mean by that is just bring others in. Bring others in. There's a passage in Luke that says, the master told his servants, and he's putting together in this banquet. He says, go out and invite. Go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house is full. Guys, it is our responsibility to leave these walls to leave 116 North Walnut Street, to go into our community, leaving this community strengthened and empowered to bring other people in. We celebrated our A-teams last night at a gala. You should have seen it. We got all dressed up. I had on a three-piece suit. Come on. I was looking fancy. Got it off Amazon, $70. You can find it. But here's the thing. Like, like we've got this one particular family and we celebrated them last night. Like she's like they brought their whole family. They came launch day and we thought they were just coming to support us, but they're bringing their whole family and now their family's bringing people. And guys, let me tell you, hear my heart. It is not just so that we can add another service because we're looking at doing that. And to be honest, adding another service means more work, but you know what it does? It also means adding another service makes more room for people to get connected to the body because there are so many people in our community. There are those that are disconnected and they know they're disconnected. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They've been disappointed. They've been let down. And so they have chosen to remove themselves from the body of Christ. And they're not growing. They're hurting. But then there are those that are also out there that don't even know what they're missing out on. And for some of you here today, like, like that may be you or maybe that, that was you and you don't know what you're missing out on. And it's not just about coming into community of, of, of the church that's in this room, but it's about coming into community with your heavenly father and then having a community like the church come around you to support and encourage and equip you so that you can do whatever it takes God has put in your heart. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, like if, 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 if that's you today and you are disconnected, not just from the body, 
but you're disconnected from God. That is the first relationship that I want you to get in order. That is, that is the first community I want you to find yourself a part of. And maybe you don't feel like you can belong. Maybe you don't feel like you can be a part. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you, you can't be accepted. And the verse I read earlier is like, it, like we're all these different things. We're all slaves or free. We're all Jews or Gentiles. We're all like messed up at some point on the inside. But the thing that unites us and brings us all together is a relationship with Christ. And that simply starts with a simple prayer that says, Jesus, you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be elegant. It doesn't have to be emotional because he's already done all the work and all he's looking from you is just a yes to an outstretched hand, to an open invitation to come into relationship with him. And that's you. I'm just very simply, I just want to ask you just to lift your hand. Just with no one looking around, just to lift your hand, just to acknowledge, to say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that you're going to say, but hopefully it's the start of a lifelong conversation. for you. Father, I just come to you this morning. God, I thank you so much for what you've done in this house today. God, we thank you for your presence and I thank you for a people that come in hungry and expectant to hear from you, to experience you. And Father, there were those that raised their hand this morning and maybe even those that didn't, but they lifted their heart. They're just... God, they just feel disconnected from a lot of things but it's because they're disconnected from the most important person, and that's you. So, Father, it's not my words, but, God, I pray that that in their own way, in their own words, they're coming into relationship with you by surrendering their life, seeking forgiveness for their sins, apologizing where they've broken your heart, because we've all done it. But, God, I pray that they accept and receive that forgiveness that new identity, that confidence of who they are in you. God, protect us all as we go back into our routines of the week. God, let us carry what we've experienced today through worship and through your word. Let it be a strength and encouragement to us on our Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday. God, give us boldness and and just strength to, to step out of our comfort zone and to bring others into this community. God, give us the boldness and just the transparency to lean in to this community, to be strengthened by this community. Father, I just pray health over each and every single person. God, I pray favor, peace of mind, strength and health in their bodies. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for that.